With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Bram Hilsman, host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast. During our conversation, we broke down Steph Curry's recent brilliance and looked ahead to a daunting stretch for Golden State. Bram, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Um, only been a week or two, not even, not even two weeks. Um, how you been? How you holding up during these strange times? I mean, we're on what, month nine? of the pandemic of the quarantine how, how are you are you staying sane out there i mean i if, if the question is how am i doing with month nine of the pandemic no i'm not staying sane i'm losing my mind connor i would like this to end i'd like to go see friends i'd like to have a drink outside there's a lot of things i'd like to change but if you're asking me how i feel in day three of the steph curry resurgence i feel great connor I feel like, yes, you're right. There's only been about a week since the last time you and I had an opportunity to pot. But between then, Steph Curry has seemingly turned the basketball world on its face. There's reasons for optimism for Warrior fans everywhere. So, man, I'm I'm doing pretty well, man. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all things considered, def- the, the Warriors are keeping things interesting. So that that definitely helps. Um, yeah, you you kind of you kind of beat me to the you kind of beat me there, but yeah, this is, this has got to be a very Steph centric podcast. You know, we're, we're talking today on Tuesday. Um, Steph went off for 62 on Sunday, a career high against Portland. Um, then followed that up with a pretty efficient 30 point outing uh, yesterday and a win over the Kings. The Warriors are four and one in their past five games after losing their first two games of the season by a combined 62 points. Um, it's just kind of insane to think about how different things feel right now, as opposed to literally like a week ago. Um, it's just a reminder that the NBA season is long and that missing someone like Draymond Green matters a lot. Um, and so just take me through as a fan of this team, take me through what your, your psyche has been like going from, let's say, right after that Christmas day drubbing against Milwaukee to, to yesterday, watching them, you know, completely dominate the Sacramento Kings a day after a convincing win over Portland when Steph scored 62 points. I don't mean to make light of any kind of mental illness, but I feel like I now have some experience with what it feels like to be a manic depressive. I mean, if I'm being honest with you, Connor, if, if you could be a fly in the wall, um, listening to conversations I was having with friends behind the scenes, not on the podcast, about where the Warriors were following that first Portland loss right before Steph went crazy. I'd be embarrassed, man. You know, like I, I was using buzz phrases. I was saying things like developmental year. But really what I was contemplating was, hey, maybe a draft pick is what they need out of this year. 
And then Steph comes out and sets the world on fire despite hate surrounding him. And the very next day, because we, I was a little bit worried how they'd show up against Sacto, looks just as great and sits his first fourth quarter. And, and now I'm positive that they can at least compete with anybody. Um, here, let's make it specific. After the first Portland loss, I had lost faith in both wings, Ubre and Wiggins. Now I think they're excellent additions, and I can't wait to see them continue to develop defensively. Before, I was worried about Steph's ability to score on a team that couldn't support him. Now I recognize him as the you know upper echelon scoring machine uh, that we all recognize him to be. So yeah, man, it's it's been a hell of a week, and I, I gotta ask you. So you were there, right? I mean, you were one of the like very few people, what 0.1 or 0.01% of the world who actually got to see Steph's performance live. Yeah, it was, it was, I want to say it was insane uh, because any 62 point performance is insane. But um, the fact that the fans weren't there really just, it took a lot of the excitement out of it for me um was anybody cheering like is are there that's what i wanted to hear is like what I mean, was that environment? on the court and on the bench but outside of that and i mean i honestly we're so high up that you don't even hear a lot of that so i'll be honest like i i'm especially later in a game the second half of the third quarter on i'm really kind of in writing mode and i'm spending more time looking at my laptop screen than actually watching the game and so I was obviously aware that Steph was having a phenomenal night. I didn't actually realize that he was on the cusp of breaking his career high until he actually did it. Uh, I was like, Oh wow. Okay. Cause I, you know, I was just, I was just in it writing at the, in that moment. And there was no, there was nothing happening in terms of a roar from the crowd or anything to, to, to kind of, pique my interest in that way um so i i i didn't really understand the magnitude of what was happening until when it actually happened uh which make might make me sound like a horrible journalist but um <laughs> that's just how it is when you're writing on deadline like that you just kind of have to half watch it while you write um, i love that idea i love the idea of somebody like standing next to a volcano erupting you're like, well, actually, I didn't really notice that volcano erupting because I was pretty deep in my phone. Well, you know, it was what it was. Yeah, I, I respect your uh, your professional concentration, let's call it. Uh, I'm just, side note about me, I am the world's worst multitasker, like, ever. <laughs> um, I, can't, I can't do two things at once. Uh, I can't, I mean, the most basic thing. Like, I can't. You know, sometimes I can't drive and talk to my friend who's in the passenger seat. Like it's sometimes it's like it's like that bad. Um, I love that. I imagine them somebody starting to talk to you as you drive, and you're like, "What are you doing? Are you crazy? We'll die! I can't do these two things at once." Pretty much. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, but that being said, it was a, a really cool moment when when he got that final shot and got to 62 and the way he did it was so incredible. Um, it's one, th- it's one thing to watch a lot of players go off for 62. If you watch like a Giannis or a LeBron, but it's so different to watch someone like Steph who, whose game, he's not an athletic freak, right? His greatness is more in terms of his ball handling, his, his off ball movement, uh, obviously his shooting, 
Um, and I think it's, it's in some ways a more impressive feat when someone like that gets for 62. Because as Steve Kerr said the other day, it's a lot easier to lead a team when you're just knifing through the key over and over for acrobatic dunks. It's a lot harder to do it when you have to lead your team by knocking down 35-footer after 35-footer. I mean, I can tell you whether or not it is objectively more impressive what he did. I don't know. Um, I've never scored one point on an NBA basketball court, let alone 60. I can't tell you you know, whether or not one's harder, but I can tell you that it is far more entertaining to watch, you know, watching LeBron force his way towards a 60 spot, which I've never done, but I'm sure has happened is a lot like watching an Olympic weightlifter. You know, it's, it's impressive and it's a show of just pure strength and, and power. And he's doing something that very few people can do. And for that, I respect it. And I want to watch it. But watching Steph Curry go for a 60 spot, it's like watching a top-notch magician wow you. He yeah. is doing thing after thing after thing that you previously thought was fucking impossible, Connor. And he is doing it not only uh, well, but consistently. He is making the impossible possible on a minute-by-minute basis. So can I tell you with a straight face for sure it's more impressive? I don't know. I can tell you absolutely, if I can only watch one, I would much prefer watch Steph do what he does than LeBron do what he does. The word that Steve always uses is magic. You know, it's like watching magic, which which I completely think is cliche and corny, but at the same time, it's there's really, there's really not a better word to describe it. It, it is masterful what he does. Um, and, you know, keep in mind, this is a guy who's 32 years old, um but everything i was hearing entering the season was this guy is as good as he's ever been i thought that was reinforced by the fact that he hit 105 straight three pointers in a practice last week in chicago i mean you can't do that without being at the absolute peak of your abilities um and so it kind of felt like moments like this were coming but it was just to me it was a matter of can the supporting cast figure out how to play with them because I, I don't, yeah. I don't think the average fan fully understands the learning curve that goes with playing stuff. I think a lot of people think, Oh, well, he's one of the greatest players ever. So of course he's easy to play with. He makes everyone look good and play better. Well, that's true. That's true to an extent, but he plays unlike anyone else plays. Yep. So when you're used to playing a certain way, there's going to be an adjustment period to playing with someone like Steph who moves off the ball so much, who whose game is so dependent on rhythm and timing and flow. Um, and so, you know, Steve has said that it, it usually takes newcomers about two months. And if you remember when KD came to the Warriors, it took about two months for him to figure out how to play with Steph. Um, but the X factor here is Draymond. Draymond, Draymond Green. Yep. I mean, I think I think people almost forgot over those first four games that Draymond wasn't playing, um, and then he comes back and then doesn't play very well in his first game back, and everyone's like, "Oh, Draymond, you're 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 just as bad as you were last season. Your career's over." Um, but he he just needed to get his win back, and then once he got his win back, he got more vocal, he got more engaged on both sides of the court. The past two games, he hasn't scored really at all, but he has been exactly what the Warriors need, you know, defensively he has organized them uh, 
offensively, he has helped them get into into their spots and done a really good job finding Steph. Um, and then also done a really good job directing the young guys. Um, one of my favorite moments from yesterday's game against Sacramento was in the third quarter when uh, Draymond was was crossing midcourt and was trying to get uh, Andrew Wiggins to to run as part of the motion offense. And he was he was wave, gesturing his hands for gesturing his right hand for Andrew Wiggins to move. And when Wiggins didn't. He he was screaming so jumping, loud, he was hopping up and down. Like that to me is exactly when not only Draymond is is at his best, but when this team is at his best. Because especially this iteration of the Warriors, they really need Draymond as the vocal leader. Because these guys just genuinely don't know what they're doing, which which isn't their fault. You know, it's it, it's a hard system to to learn. But if you have someone like Draymond out there telling you where to be so much easier playing with Steph taking your two points in turn. Cause I agree with both of them playing with Steph. It doesn't matter how great you are without experience. It's going to be really hard uh, in his post game news conference. Actually, no on the floor with Bob and Azabuki when they were asking him, um, you know, just his opinion after the 62 point game. One of the things he said is I'm starting to see the pictures better. He used that phrase over and over and he kept saying, I can see the pictures. I can see the pictures. And what I think he meant was even with this new group of people, as he comes down the floor, he is able to see where the defense is. He sees that picture in his mind and is starting to figure out exactly where he needs to be to succeed. Put differently, he's recognizing his spots, but those spots kind of only matter if the rest of the team knows where he's going if they can get him the ball in those spots. And the, the second he said pictures, it really underlined what you were saying. Wiggins, Ubre, Wiseman, these guys might have a really, really impressive future with Golden State, but there's going to be a learning curve. They're going to have to start recognizing the pictures too. And it's not easy. And that's where Draymond Green comes in. You know, I, I disagree with one thing you said. You said he scored zero points. Not true. He scored one point. I didn't say zero. Scored. I said he didn't really oh, There you go. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, I only point out the one point because I thought his effect on the offense with only one point scored was almost as impressive as what Steph did with the 62. Because it's not just that he sees the pictures and it's not just that he can direct other people to where they should be in that shot. But it's also his demonstrative nature. It's what you're talking about. You know, if, if that's me, I'm such a pleaser, Connor. I don't even call people out if they call me the wrong name. You know, I, I'll allow you to do it for, for months at a time. And, and if you've done it long enough, I'll just let you call me that name forever. Drayman will call you out immediately. You know, he sees people doing the wrong thing on the floor. He first calls it out subtly, then not so subtly. Then he's jumping up and down, making sure these guys are doing the right thing. That's exactly what this team needs. And it's one of the reasons there's been such a turnaround. We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hillsman right after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. Even though the past two games felt like a bit of a breakthrough, there's still a lot that we have to learn about this team. Um, but I think one other positive takeaway was um, Steph himself, Draymond aside, I thought Steph did a much better job of attacking. I think this team needs Steph to be as aggressive as humanly possible all season to have a chance at anything. Um, And I think Steph is so selfless and um, that sometimes he gets in his own way a little bit, uh, trying to facilitate and trying to get other guys involved when the best thing is to recognize that you're the most talented guy on the floor and to dominate. Um, Yep. And so he really did that, obviously, in the Portland game. In fairness, Portland didn't seem to really play. You know, they left a a ton of wide-open driving lanes where he could just literally run to the rim. Um, But even in the Sacramento game where I thought the defense was better, um, he was was hyper-aggressive. You know, anytime he had the smallest of opening, he was firing it. And they they need him like that. because without without Clay Thompson, you know your your number two option is Andrew Wiggins. Who, look, Andrew Wiggins is a solid NBA player, probably a you know a legitimate number two, number three scorer in the NBA. But he's probably not your secondary option for a championship caliber team. Um, you know he's just too inconsistent, and he floats in and out of games. But um, when you have Draymond, or sorry, when you have Steph attacking in that manner and being as aggressive as he was, it opens up everything else for everyone else. I mean, yep. you saw yesterday with Kelly Oubre, he got a bunch of wide open threes, knocked down four of them, which was huge given the fact that he entered the game, I believe two for 30 from three. Uh, it feels like everything is starting to kind of settle in and like everything is starting. Everyone's kind of trying to figure out their role. It, it, it's pretty clear that the rotation is is kind of starting to reveal itself you have uh you know you have someone like Kent Bazemore who's uh emerged as a a really helpful piece off the bench Eric Paschal is looking like a really solid backup center um whereas last season he was really more of a 3-4 um but now he with Marquise Chris out he's he's been providing very helpful minutes at center um then you have you know Damian Lee being productive you have Michael Mulder knocking down open threes he was four for four from three yesterday which is absolutely what they want from him you got Kavon Looney providing you know helpful minutes and then obviously you have Wiseman kind of figuring things out and, and Ubre and Wiggins kind of coming into their own so um you're you're we're only two weeks into the season when a team when this team didn't really have much of a training camp and there was no summer league and you're, you already feel like you're seeing what this team's identity is going to be going forward. Yeah, exactly right. Um, We've talked a lot of times about how basketball is different than other sports and that continuity means something. And we are seeing that play out over these first seven games. You know, we, we see Kerr learning. We see, we see that um, not only with the role he's given to Curry, we see it with the role he's given it to much lesser players. Bazemore found himself entirely out of the rotation for a couple games and then was right back in there for the last three. Curry is figuring out where people should be. Uh, Curry is recognizing where he needs to be in those pictures. Draymond is recognizing not only where he needs to be, but everybody else. I mean, of course you're right. Something tells me they're not going to go undefeated for the remainder of the year. In fact, they have kind of a nasty stretch of games 
coming up right now. There's going to be some more learning moments, some bumps in the road. But the reason I'm, I'm feeling so good as opposed to the way we felt last week as we felt after that first Portland game is there's reasons to believe that these guys will continue to figure it out, that there's real talent here, that there's a real upside. They may not be a title contender, but they're also not a seller dweller. Um, and I'm happy to see it, you know, that it's, there's, there's a real upside to that. It's a, a different feeling. Yeah. And you, you hit on something important, which is they're, they're facing a really important stretch coming up here. Um, starting tomorrow on Wednesday, they have two straight games against the Clippers at home. Then they're hosting Toronto, which is actually struggling mightily, but they're still Toronto. They still have a lot of talent. Um, then they're hosting the Pacers, a very good Pacers team. Then on the road at Denver, then on the road at Phoenix, then on the road at the Lakers. So, you know, your next um, seven, eight games are against bona fide playoff teams, several of whom are legit title contenders, um, which I think the timing of this is actually perfect. Um in a lot of ways, I thought yeah. opening up the season with those those games on the road at, at Brooklyn and Milwaukee, it was definitely a reality check, which I felt like the team needed in that moment. So that was actually a positive in some ways. They bounced back, got got some a couple of close wins over not very good Chicago and Detroit teams, then came back home and play, played two potential playoff teams in Portland and Sacramento, and in those games really started to find their identity and coalesce and get the most out of Steph. And so now they're feeling good about themselves. Now they feel like they know what they want to do, what they want to be entering this really tough stretch, which might end up being the toughest stretch for them all season, just in terms of how many great teams they're facing in a row. Um, and I think we're going to learn a lot about this team in the next week or so, you know, can't, I don't, I don't expect them to, to win all these games, but they, they can even go 500. I think that bodes really well for their playoff chances. Yeah. I was just going to ask what, what do you, what do you consider a successful um, outcome over this next stretch and what would they consider a successful outcome? Yeah. So we're talking about seven games here. Um, I think if they went four and three, that would, they, they should feel really good about that. Um, yeah. You know, if you can beat Toronto who's struggling, maybe still a win from Phoenix, uh, Denver, still one of the Den two. Yeah. I think that Denver's had a slow start too, right? Like they haven't really found themselves. I, I completely agree. Um, I would also take one and six if that one came against the Lakers, but I don't think that that's the attitude that the, that the Warriors have. So I'll take the four and three. Yeah, for sure. Four, four and three. Um, so what, what, what are the biggest things you're going to be watching specifically over this next, you know, seven game stretch? What do I want to see them do? Um, I want to see Wiggins and Ubre both get more and more comfortable within their roles. Uh, when Lacob was first interviewed, and I, it might have been game one, but it, some game Lacob was interviewed, maybe it was even a preseason game. But what he described was the keys to this team are its wings. It will go as far as Wiggins and Ubre go. And we've seen a little bit of that. And we've also seen both of them get more and more comfortable in their roles. Uberi, I think, finally hit a few three-pointers just last night, three of five. So first and foremost, what would I like to see from this team? I'd like to see those two guys um, learn where Steph needs to be, learn where they need to be, and continue to develop within the system. 
Next thing I'd like to see is Draymond uh, continue to get in shape, expand his minutes, and really take a stranglehold on uh, his voice on this team and in the locker room. I mean, we've, we've already mentioned it a few times. He seems to be the quarterback, and you know, the, the more that we can enforce that and have him teaching the young guys where to be, the better. And then finally, Steph, you know, Steph continuing to recognize who he is, not only on this team, but in the echelon of the league. I mean, we're talking generational talent. We're talking somebody who single-handedly changed how professional basketball is played. And we're just seeing him recognize and agree with that in these last few games. I want to see that continue too. I want to see him take the offensive side of the game by its neck and, uh, and be a bully on that side. Yeah. For me, the biggest thing is, is James Wiseman. Um, Cause you, he obviously started his season so strong uh, with, with those two big games against Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Um, and I think people got a little carried away after, after seeing that they thought he was already this perennial all-star caliber center. Um, but you gotta, you gotta, keep context um, in these, these types of situations. This is a guy who hadn't played in 13 months, uh, didn't have a summer league, was limited in training camp, didn't, didn't play at all in any of the preseason games because of the positive coronavirus test um, is only 19 years old. There's going to be growing pains. There's going to be a learning curve and, you know, he's still pretty raw in a lot of ways, but you see the, potential you see the upside and it's absolutely tantalizing I mean there's been there have been a few plays so far this season where you're just like did that really just happen (laughs) like when he ran full court against I think Portland um and just kind of wove through defenders and 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 got got the shot off it was it was uh it was something that a seven foot two a seven foot one guy should not be able to do especially a seven foot one guy who's 19 years old and is in his like fourth NBA game. Um, so he's uh, he's absolutely the real deal. And I've gone on the record on Twitter. Um, I am ready to completely take the L and admit that I was completely wrong about James Wiseman. I know, I know that I spent a lot of time on this podcast and on your podcast and in the written form uh, saying that I did not – of Wiseman. Um, I'm going to jump on this grenade. I'm going to stop you from doing it because I'm going to give you some credit. I'm going to, I'm going to paint this a different way. Um, I think you should be, I've, I've thought about this recently and, and to add a little color to it, Connor, both on his pod and mine, we, we talked about how the Warriors weren't necessarily interested in Wiseman. And that was kind of the theme of the lead up to the draft. And I imagine that's what Connor's talking about. We weren't interested until the, the workout in Miami in October. Okay, there you go. Um, but what I've, I've since thought, and this gives you a ton of credit, is that the Warriors and, and perhaps the source whom you were talking to had so much faith in people following your coverage that they literally used you to try to depress the value of Wiseman in hopes that, that he fell to them. I don't you know that, that they... I really don't think that's to, what happened. I don't, well, I don't I, think I got used. I think, I mean, if you look at my reporting, I had a complete narrative switch after that October workout because what I was told uh, entering that October workout was we have a lot of reservations about him. We're intrigued, but we have reservations. We're not sure he's worth a number two pick, especially in the modern NBA. And then getting to know him personally, having dinner with him, watching his workout. uh, They were 
blown away. Um, and that really solidified that if they kept the number two pick, he'd be the guy. Um, and look, I think it's already fair to say they made the right decision. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. And I, you know, fair enough. I will back off and I'll let you take the loss. Just trying to help you there, buddy. Well, I, appreciate what it was. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I also, I also don't like the, the narrative of me being used by the organization. So, um, well, I, used is the wrong term. If, if I was the Warriors and I was worried about Wiseman going number one, I would tell anybody, anybody who had a public platform that I wasn't interested in them because I'd want that person to report it in the hopes that Minnesota would find out. Like, oh, maybe we shouldn't take him. But I, I obviously trust your read of it. And if that's not what happened, that's not what happened. Um, I will push this in a different direction. And I'd like to give a heartfelt thanks to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I was thinking this as a Warriors fan. If we fast forward a year and what happens or what we want to have happen happens, there's a chance that Minnesota is going to be almost directly responsible for a huge majority of the Warriors roster that will be competing for a title. Um, Steph Curry, Steph Curry's on the Warriors because Minnesota passed on him not once, but twice. Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson will be on the Warriors because Minnesota was ultimately unwilling to give up Kevin Love for him. Wiseman, Wiseman's on the Warriors because they passed on Wiseman as well. Wiggins, Wiggins is on the Warriors because the Timberwolves gave him to us you know, in exchange for the D'Angelo Russell thing. So if next year, and then finally, hopefully, if Minnesota continues to be crappy this year, they will also give us a, you know, a top pick and a loaded draft and another piece that will be helping us next year. So let me finish this where I started. Thank you, Minnesota. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for your incompetency and thank you for all your decisions because it's really helping us. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but you're totally right. Um, and I got I got asked in the mailbag yesterday about the top three protected pick in 2021 and whether or not they should trade it. I, yeah. I don't see a scenario right now where you should trade it. I don't think there's an all-star caliber guy that's worth giving up that kind of asset. I think in terms of assets they would potentially give up, I think he's that's their biggest asset. They're not going to be trading yeah. Wiseman anytime soon. They're not trading yep. Thompson. They're not trading uh, Steph Curry. Um, so I think that uh, I think that when you look at who's available potentially in the, at the top of that 2021 draft, you're talking about guys like Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Green, uh, Suggs out of Gonzaga, Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State. Every single guy I just named is a guy who could have gone number one in this year's draft. Yep. So – there's a lot to be excited about, especially like, and I keep telling everyone, you got to look at the season from the right perspective, which is let's make the playoffs be nationally relevant. Do, you know, have an MVP caliber year, hopefully from Steph, develop the young guys, but it's really all about next season. You don't want yep. this to be lost, but it's all about getting ready for next season. When Clay comes back, hopefully you can add in like a Jonathan Kaminga, or something. Yep. I mean, that would be unreal. Uh, absolutely. If this year provides a little playoff experience for the younger guys and a lesson from Draymond and everybody else on where they fit in before they make their run next year, best case scenario. Yeah. So Bram, thank you so much for joining me back on the pod. Uh, where can our listeners find your pod if they're not already listening to it which i don't wouldn't understand why they aren't because i go on there all the time and talk about it all the time 
We appreciate you. If you want to look out for us, we are the Warriors Huddle. Uh, played in all places. Podcasts can be found. Stitcher, Apple, other spots I'm sure I don't know about. And we're also on various social media spots. And by various, I mean just Twitter. And we are at uh, Warriors Huddle up on there. Um, so, yeah, thanks for the opportunity, man. Our thanks to Bram Hillsman for joining me on the podcast. Really enjoyed catching up with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 